the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. Smooth like butter, sweet like honey. Looks so good like she made of money. She's blonde, five foot two, and 102 pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Never fails to make me giggle. As I roll into hour two of tonight's Andrea K show, it is all mine. It's all hers, as the song says. And that means it's all mine, mine, mine. Glad to have you guys here with me for hour two. 888 344 1170. If you want to call in live, I'll have a question for you guys. Uno momento on that. I'm also getting some emails coming in at the Andrea show.com. Love getting emails from you guys like this one here. Um, communist teaching. Uh, she says, Jesse Kelly talks about it all all the time. Stalin, first thing he did, open all the jails, just like here. Very sad and frightening. The, uh, this is supposed to be my golden years. Instead, I worry for my children and my granddaughters. God, we truly need you right now. Yes, indeed, we do. We need to be lifting up prayers uh, for our country. And uh, we know that one of the reasons why America has been as blessed as we were is that we were founded on Judeo-Christian principles and values. And there's a battle for the soul of this country going forward and, well, right now and going forward. And, you know, we're going to be fighting it every night of the week here, 6 to 8 p.m. on The Answer San Diego. Joining me every Tuesday night, never failing to make to crack me up, is the quack with the quack and the whack, his wacky laws, as well as his news you can use on estate planning, is my friend, Gary Quackenbush, and he joins me now. Hello, my dear. Hello, Andrea. How are you tonight? Well, I'm wonderful. Um, glad to have you with me, as always, because you not only just dispense really important information that people can can take away and do something with in their life to make their life better, mm-hmm. but you always make me giggle, and I love to giggle. Well, I've got... Um, so. I think the funnest thing to do, we should take a trip to Fresno, just you and me, and try some of these. I'm kidding. But there, um, you have funny. more wacky laws out of Fresno today. What is it about Fresno? Fresno, I don't know what it is. I don't know. I, I think they have a really active legislature or something like that. But <clears throat> so some of these laws, you can, you hear them and go, that sounds so stupid. And then, well, maybe there's a reason for that. I don't know. So these are kind of, um, I thought they were pretty funny. So, uh, to protect our city limits in Fresno, it permanent markers may not be sold within the city limits. Okay, so you can't you buy a Sharpie? Marker. You can't buy a Sharpie in the city limits of Fresno. Okay, and the reason is what? I I would imagine it's because of graffiti. Because uh, permanent markers, like the easiest graffiti, you get those really big wide poster markers. And yeah. then, uh, in fact, that's the way, <clears throat> interestingly, um, the way you can find it, well... I know this from experience, not personal, but just from my in my career. But um, 
kids that go sometimes you see a stop sign and there's a kind of a funny little like a graphic mark on it and you start to see it in different places well what happens is is kids start to practice their marker there's with these permanent markers and they start to write them around town on the back mm-hmm. of signs on stop signs and all that and then when the police kind of get word they'll actually get a, wor- a warrant from the parent to search this minor's house and then they find these notebooks with all these practice um, graffiti marks in them, and then they just identify the kid and go, okay, we found 13 signs with your little graffiti mark on it, and now your parents get to pay up all this money. Okay. So <laughs> I think it has to do with that. They're trying to protect our signs. But the two best I thought, and this is to help our elementary school children, and I I hope Governor Newsom doesn't get a hold of these because I'm sure he'll make this statewide. So number one, this is critical. In elementary schools in Fresno, they may not host poker tournaments. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which I that that's totally fair. Don't have to poker tournament. And number two, in Fresno, it is illegal to get drunk on a playground. <laughs> so Just like, looking out for the kids, man. No alcohol don't get drunk on a playground. Right. Don't, it doesn't uh, say no drinking, just no getting drunk and okay. no poker tournaments. So does that I include the children? In, d- 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 well, does that specify children included or just no, you know? It, um, just, it just says no. It's illegal to get drunk on a playground okay. in Fresno. Okay. I, I think what's happening is that, that somebody probably, some legislature person probably showed up at school and went, oh my gosh, I went to visit my, I went to visit my kid today at the elementary school in Fresno and there she was drunk on the playground playing poker. I can't handle and, this. And, 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 and writing with a Sharpie. And keeping score with a Sharpie <laughs> on the slide. Right, writing on the, oh my gosh. Anyway. Look, I, 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 yeah, I, I can tell you what I think is behind that Sharpie thing, okay? okay? I'm not even a mom. But, I mean, that Sharpies are evil, okay? They're, e- <laughs> they're evil because there's nothing that will ruin a bedspread, nothing that will ruin a wall, nothing that will ruin a curtain more than a Sharpie, okay? And it can be very, very expensive. So I don't care what excuse they're giving you. That was a mom who came up with that anti-Sharpie law that's just my take on that <laughs> but mom why can't we have sharpies because it's illegal uh-huh. in our house as well yeah, yeah we need some com- this is some good old-fashioned common sense sharpie control that's what's going on here yeah and All i right. that's important with other stuff we got going on in fresno that's super important mm-hmm, absolutely super um, important oh all right gosh. hey you had a big event thursday Anything you we, want to share about your event uh, before you It was you really in? fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you very much. We had Anthony Wright. Um, he came from Tennessee to tell us about you know managing money and handling investments. It had very interesting, you know, theory. You know, the way that he handles money is very unique, and I really loved it. You know, he's talking about doing trailing stop losses and and how to manage retirement accounts and you know what, why the money markets do what they do. It was really fun. I talked about. Um, you know, estate planning and just kind of, I do this, I have this kind of a cartoon thing that helps understand estate planning. And we had a really good turnout, a lot of super good questions. People were thrilled to be, you know, listeners of the show and, and, you know, um, mentioned, do you guys listen at night? Yeah. Do you listen to Andrew K? Yeah. We love Andrew K. But it's like we did it during the Andrew K show hour. So Andrew K couldn't be there. Next time we'll do it when you can be there. Yeah. I good. like to have fun. I, you know, I can, you know, I can, I can work a crowd, you know, I mean, I, I can, I'll be, I'll be properly quaffed and showered. So next time have it in, at a time where I can be there. So I'm glad you had, I'm glad okay, you had a I fun will. event and people got to meet you personally. You know, got to meet the man behind the voice, right? I know, right? It's mm-hmm. kind of funny. It's like, you guys, I'm just, you know, I'm a normal person. I'm just but They're really normal. good because we um, had several people that actually 
um, have come in since then to to talk to me about their estate plans and stuff like that. So it's good. Good. Just getting the word out is so important. Yeah. What were? Can you tell us what was like um, a couple of the top questions that people had or top concerns? I think the 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 biggest concern or the, the biggest thing is that people don't they didn't kind of understand the concept of like why should I have a living trust and a will? What's the difference? And you know, um, it, you know, I. There's a lot of misconceptions like people actually think that if they don't have a trust or will that the state of California is going to get all of their their property when they die. And and that still is surprising is kind of this myth. Um, it's not that the state of California gets all of your property. It's that the state of California is so slow at taking things or allowing things to go through probate that you know a year or two down the road, you're still going to be fighting over property mm-hmm. and distributions. Mm-hmm. And probate is like super expensive and super slow, so we try to avoid it. It's also you have no control when you're in probate. Um, so there's still a lot of misconceptions, and I think – I think that it's been pushed so hard with the legal community saying, you know, probate, it's it's just like, it's just awful and horrible and you got to avoid it and all your property is going to get, it's going to get lost. And it, and it's not true. And I think because it almost sounds too far exaggerated to be true that people don't believe it mm-hmm. because it's not, it's not that probate makes you lose all of your property and the government doesn't take control of it. It's that probate is a legal process. It's, it's like... It's like if every time um, you wanted to, you know, do anything, you had to do an application. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a, there's ways to avoid it. And the thing with probate is it doesn't protect you during disability or incapacity. It doesn't. There's no tax advantages. There's no control. It's just totally lost in the courts. And you don't lose all the money in the courts. You just lose the control. And now you're waiting for, you know, sometimes months. Well, always months. At least nine months in California. Even if you're a super good attorney and you know what you're doing, you're still going to take nine months as fast as you can go. And it's typically taking um, a year and a half to two years to get through probate. So well, it's, yeah, just, it's well, unnecessary. One of the things we haven't talked about, and here's a quick question for you. We're talking to Gary Quackenbush, um, who you can listen to every day at 2 p.m. here at Word on Wealth. Um, is well, Aren't things frozen during probate? Yes. Yeah. And that's the big problem is they're – like all the bank accounts are frozen, so the the whoever's the executor, the one that's trying to be in charge of the estate, they don't have the power to do anything. They can't pay bills, they can't pay mortgage, uh, everything's frozen. You know, we can't get the bank accounts out until we get a court order. Yeah, you you totally lose control. Your estate is out of the control of anybody that cares about you after you die if it's in probate. So it takes months to get any control, anything going on. And a, a comparison between the two would be. So if I died without a will or trust or anything like that, and my, and, or even if I died with a will, um, if somebody needed to pay a bill or pay for medical bills or pay a mortgage payment or pay anything, they have to go to court to get an order authorizing them to be able to take care of business, if you will. So in my case, if like I died and I hadn't, and, and my law practice was just in my name, I would die. It would take my wife two or three months to get through the probate start of the probate process to get authority to sell my practice mm. and it would already be gone. My clients would already, have already fled, you know, yeah. it, was, it was like, I would, and that happens with a lot of businesses. If it's not, if it has to go through probate, you're going to lose the business. You're going to r- lose the rental property because you can't process it fast enough to maintain the business momentum. I mean, it's horrible for businesses to get through probate. Plus probate <clears throat> there's, if you're incapacitated, and you've got a business or a house or money or whatever. And if you're incapacitated, you can't 
you can't function anymore. You still need money to take care of yourself, you know, um, physically, but you mm-hmm. you can't function mentally. So who's going to take care and control your money? Nobody, unless you have like in all of your money in a trust, or if you become incapacitated, somebody's got to go to the probate court and get a conservatorship over you. And that takes about three months. So everything, you know, everything just takes months and months to, to do anything you know, it's all frozen for like 40 days after you die as it's going through the probate process, at least 40 days. It's a mess. And I know when my dad passed away, I was so glad everything was in a trust because, you know, we needed, you know, we we didn't want to insure the truck anymore or pay for it. And somebody wanted to buy it and we could sell it right away. If it was going through probate, we would have had to wait probably um, a minimum of 40 days, probably closer to 60 days to get an order to allow us to sell. So everything is just stagnated. And well, it's, it's just, stagnated. It's, it's uh, you can't access money. Bills don't get mm-hmm. paid. Mm-hmm. Um, things don't get handled. People, it's it's tough enough when you've lost a loved one. Let alone now, you've you've you basically have inherited an absolute financial mess and a nightmare to go through. And the thing is, is that it's entirely preventable. There's no yes. reason for anybody's family to ever have to go through any of this. Exactly, hundred percent agree with you. It's like. You're, you know, you're, tr- you're taking care of your family while you're alive and then you die. And now you're not taking care of your family because your, your estate is a mess. Mm-hmm. You're not protecting them and they've got to go through all this terrible hardship to try to figure out what they're going to do next. And I mean, they're I not see attorneys. people that die and they have the, you know, the house and the bank accounts and everything in the name of the husband, for example. Uh, because they just haven't thought about it much. And he dies with no life insurance. There's no will, no trust. And now, the wife is just she's in deep trouble because everything is in husband's name and so this the chips just start to fall one by one by one so she's got to go to court to get authority to get to the bank account you know there's just a lot of people that just don't think in terms of someday i'm going to die someday i'm going to become incapacitated 70% chance i need to figure things out it's like car insurance i don't buy car insurance because i'm an idiot and i'm a terrible driver i buy car insurance because Everybody gets into a car accident, and when I do, I want to be covered. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a life. You know, I have a a trust and a will, and all my stuffs in my trust. And it's not because you know, you know, that I need money after I die. I don't. My family does. I just, mm-hmm. it's just, I've taken care of business. Yeah, it's it's it, and it's not something that I hear a whole lot of people talking about. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, you do a show about it. You know, I have you on here, but when I'm turning and when I'm listening on the dial and I'm watching TV shows or like news news outlets, there's just this is not the kind of content that anybody's putting out there. And I get that it's not necessarily the sexiest, most fun. I mean, you know, it's not as fun as talking about say Alec Baldwin finally getting charged with involuntary manslaughter. I mean, quite frankly, that made my day to hear that. Um, so it's not. <laughs> Not as fun as that, but this mm-hmm. is absolutely important. This is a topic that's meaningful to me, and so um, for a variety of reasons. And so you know, and and I think, and it's and the truth of the matter is, is it really meaningful to everybody? You just don't necessarily know it yet until right. you've been left with a mess. Mm-hmm. And people think they think it's very difficult, and they think it's very expensive, and both of those things are wrong. It is not very difficult. If you get somebody that knows what they're doing, it's a very smooth process. We do it in two, two weeks. From top to bottom, we're done with the estate plan in two weeks. And it's not as expensive as most people think. Right. I mean, it costs some money. It takes time and energy and all that. But it, it's something that you do. You get it done. You get insurance. You get life insurance. You get car insurance. You get home insurance. You get 
you know, basically family protection insurance and that's your estate plan. Right. And you also have make sure that you've got your living will done so that you yes. know what your your medical directive so that everybody knows what to do. If you you know, because I've got friends of mine that have just been going through that recently with the loss of parents, oh, no. um, you know, and, and long hospital stays and particularly under COVID. There's just there's there's um, it, it, and I don't want to overwhelm people with everything you have to do um, because it's like you said, you can get it done in two weeks, but then you've mm-hmm. got it done and then everybody's got peace of mind. It's all also important with all the of all the blended families that we have in this country now you know oh my it, gosh don't give me start on blended 70 percent of families are blended yeah and blended families with no estate plan absolute 100 percent disaster because if you have yours mine in our situation and and dad dies he's got his own kids mm-hmm. <clears throat> and if it and if he now wants to give all of his money to his children what about his other kids or what about his wife's kids or his wife i mean literally the, the blended families, you know, people say, well, do I need to trust if I have a house? Yes. Do I need to trust if I have kids? Yes. What if I don't have a house or kids? Well, does your wife have kids? Yeah, she does. Yes, you need an estate plan mm-hmm. because you got to take care of people. There's people that depend on you. And then like with you, I know why you talk about it because you're an organized, thoughtful person and you realize you don't want to leave a mess. It doesn't matter that you don't have kids. In fact, with no kids – there's no natural way for the money to go other right. than up to your parents and then out to your siblings. And I, I had a um, a gal that died. This was many years ago. And the parents came in to me and they were in their 80, mid-80s and they were just so distraught. Their daughter had died in a uh, plane crash and um, she had a home. You know, She had a house and she had a retirement account and she had – um, you know, bank bank accounts, and they're coming in, going, Gary. She had nothing. She didn't have a will or trust. She said she didn't set up power of attorneys. We don't we don't know what to do. We're in our mid eighties. We we mm. want our daughter a and b. We don't know what to do with her stuff. We have yeah. no idea. We don't know what she wanted. You know, it, it's you know we are just stuck. And it was really sad because that's that was their comment to me, which was it, I never expected it. They said that what upsets us the most is we don't have any idea what to do with their stuff because we certainly don't need it. And yeah. she's gone and we don't know what to do. And we don't want to be making these decisions. We're trying to bury her. And I, that made me really sad because then we were in this probate that lasted over a year. We had to sell the house you know, and do all these things to, because of the nature of the – her death and stuff like that. It was just, it was awful. It's, it really it, was It a is awful, mess. no matter the scenario, yeah. whether it's yeah. a single it's person avoidable. with no kids or whatever, and it's all avoidable. Tell everybody how they can get a hold of you. 855-500-TRUST. And the other thing, um, my website, gqlaw.com. So at GQ Law, you can go and there's a free book called Living Trust Basics. You just go and click on the, it's a book. It looks like a book cover. You click on it and you put in your name and email address and you get a free book. And it talks about the basics of living trust, so to help you understand it. And then I can, you know, then you can ask me questions. So GQLaw.com. Awesome. Thank you for being here, my dear. Thank you, Andrea. Talk to you later. All righty. Bye. Have a good one. Bye, All right. We're going to take a little break. I just saw uh, up on the news before we go, man, di- uh, he didn't die. He survived a, a skydiving accident. Scary. Would you skydive, Skins? You skydive? I've thought about it, but the fact that the you know if something goes wrong with the parachute parachute end of the day, probably not. Well, well, make sure if you if you're gonna do it, that's just another reason why to get the estate plan done. I mean, to me, that's crazy jumping out of an airplane. Crazy! Don't jump out of airplanes. AK Dynamite in a dress, or just Andrea K. Whatever you call her, don't call her fake news. It's the Andrea K. Show on the Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. So during the break, I was researching this indoor 
um, uh, skydiving thing, which it, it, it's not really skydiving if it's indoor. I can't get a read on how high it is, how, how high off the ground people are. Skin says he would do it. So I don't know. Have you guys gone skydiving? 888-344-1170. I went bungee jumping once. I think I've told this story. This is back when there used to be a bungee jumping place in Kearney Mesa skins. I don't know if you remember that. And you could hold a gun to my head and threaten to pull the trigger and not scare me any more than I was at the moment that I had to, and I had to be pushed because <laughs> I was too scared to jump. <laughs> he's like okay um i'm gonna count to three and i'm like he's like start counting to three and he's like on three you're gonna jump and i'm like one two push and he (laughs) he pushed me off i screamed i had my eyes like closed tight the whole time and i screamed all the way down i was like ah Ooh, the thing was, I would never go bungee jumping. <laughs> it was horrifying, terrible. If you've ever gone skydiving, my sister went skydiving and so did my nephew, but there's absolutely no way uh, that I would do it. Um, all right. Um, okay. Breaking news out of New York in terms of uh, I- illegal aliens. And, and I was thinking of um, who remembers the TV show Green Acres? <laughs> wasn't it green acres where she sings at the opening darling i love you but give me park avenue uh-huh. right um well that's kind of what's happening with the migrants that have been dumped off in new york city they've been they were putting them up into hotels and um and they're actually it started out with them refusing to leave clip one Housed in a New York City hotel are now refusing to leave as the city tries to move them into a newly opened shelter. David Lee Miller is live here in Manhattan. He's got more on that for us. David Lee. Sandra, at this hour, there is a standoff taking place between the migrants and New York City officials. You can take a look behind me and you can get a glimpse of what's taking place here just outside Hell's Kitchen neighborhood in Manhattan. A few dozen migrants living on the street say they will not move. All of them are single men who were told this weekend they had to leave their rooms at a Westside hotel in order to make room for migrants with families, including women and children. The plan was for all the single men to be relocated to a cruise line terminal in Brooklyn that has been set up as a temporary shelter. Many of the migrants say the terminal is not acceptable and want better quality housing. They are now not being allowed back into the hotel. A few dozen migrants remain there. They refuse to leave. Some holdouts were removed this afternoon. A number boarded buses taking them to that Brooklyn site, while just as many decided to camp outside on the street, outside the hotel. Now, New York City homeless outreach workers have tried and failed to convince the men that living on the street is not an option, although the migrants did agree to remove about a dozen or so tents. One of the migrants from the Dominican Republic, who said his name was Wilson, broke down in tears discussing his plight. He told me he came here to work and is not being treated humanely. He said the shelter is cold, uncomfortable, and does not have enough bathrooms. He says it's not far from the subway and that they locked the doors at 11 o'clock, which makes it difficult for him to keep a job. The mayor's office, for its part, issued a statement that reads in part, and I quote, the facilities at Brooklyn Cruise Terminal will provide the same services as every other humanitarian relief center in the city, and the scheduled relocations to Brooklyn Cruise Terminal this weekend took place as planned. We remained in serious need of support from both our state and 
federal governments. So at this hour, it's not uncertain. It's not certain what's going to happen to the migrants who are living on the street. Temperatures right now hovering around 50 degrees. Later this week, they're expected to drop significantly into the 20s. These migrants simply do not have the clothing and the gear to withstand those type of temperatures. Meanwhile, Mayor Adams is saying that the city is overwhelmed by the sheer number of migrants, 46,000 since spring. The migrants, for their part, say they deserve better quality housing that the city argues it cannot afford. Back to you. Okay, David Lee Miller on that for us. David Lee, thank you. um, Okay, so much to unpack, as the cool kids say there. Okay, so um, it's hard for me to feel sympathetic to people that committed breaking and entering to come into this country illegally. These These are not migrants. These are illegal aliens. They came into this country and were um, sent to New York from a variety of different places, including Colorado, I think, at one point, as well as I think Katie Hobbs in Arizona has continued to bus illegal aliens from her state. Um, it, it, and so I, I don't... Uh, really? I mean, a couple things here come to mind. I hate to sound like I, I, I'm not a compassionate person, but how many American citizens do we have living in far worse conditions in this country and how many of them are, are veterans, Right. And what what's this guy's complaint? This guy Wilson is that he's struggling to keep a job? Um, well, you know, um, and and stay at this at this terminal. How is that? How is that my problem? How is it my problem that they don't like? There's not enough bathrooms, according to this person. There will excuse me. You're supposed to be coming into this country because the conditions. Quite frankly, the only the only reason why anybody is supposed to be coming into this country is uh, in this manner illegally without coming here on a visa and coming here legally into this country is that their hair is supposed to be on fire seeking asylum because they're under such political persecution. And now the attitude is this sense of entitlement is this doesn't have enough bathrooms. Excuse me. You know, that's the kind of complaint we usually hear from women when they're at an NFL game or with, when they're at Tiger Stadium on a Saturday and they're missing some football because there's not enough women's stalls and not enough stalls in the ladies' room. I don't want to hear complaints from people that came into this country illegally. And quite frankly, I don't even want to hear about jobs because that's a job that should be done by an American worker. But it gets even worse, Skins. Because now, not only are they complaining, I mean, some of these people, I don't know, they you know, they, they sound like a lot like Americans to me, like the American left, because some of them are saying um, that what they uh, should be placed in if they're kicked out of these hotels is, quote, vacant luxury apartments. I don't know. I'm kind of thinking that, you know, what is is that if we were ever going to have the left finally decide to uphold our immigration laws, to actually return us to, to national sovereignty with a border in which we decide who gets to come into this country legally versus illegally. Maybe if we were ever going to get the left to jump on board with sealing the border, it might be that some celebrities luxury empty apartment because maybe maybe they're not in New York right now because the weather's bad, right? Maybe they're down in their private island in the Caymans. Maybe it might be they might finally decide to seal the border if somebody let in into their uh, the doorman of their building or Eric Adams let a couple of families come and live in their luxury abode right on Park Avenue. Maybe maybe Green Acres this situation right just a thought just a thought um 
what did this person have to say? Um, we're on 57th Street right now. This is Billionaire's Row. Half the, half the super towers on this street are empty. Kind of reminds me of a story I told a while back about a court case here in California that was setting the stage for homeless people to be entitled to empty houses that were owned by real estate investment trusts. This is where it's going. That was about trying to and and they actually won. That was a homeless. That was a group here that was was um, prompted by a homeless advocacy group to take over and to move into an empty house that had been purchased by a real estate investment trust so that they could fix it up and flip it. So they moved in, began to squat, and then the advocacy group on behalf of the homeless filed a lawsuit, and the judge heard the case, which gave it standing. And so here's and, and here's where we might be going with the illegal alien migrant situation as well to where empty properties now uh, might be seized upon to, you know, humanely house the illegal aliens. All right. That's it. We're going to for this segment, we're going to take a skinny, tiny little break. But don't you go away because we've actually got some covid news to share with you guys. Why was Bill Gates squirming in his seat? When asked about COVID, we've got an interesting little soundbite to play for you guys. When we come back, don't go away. Andrea Kay, telling you like it is, all while eating a donut. The Andrea Kay Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea Kay Show. Um, So here in San Diego, we actually had um, the... Uh, Todd Gloria, they they have ended here. I think uh, San Diego City Council has voted to end the COVID emergency restrictions, mandates, etc. As of the end of February, the Biden administration has extended the coronavirus emergencies. Um, so, um, and in fact, here's his explanation, and maybe Skins can can translate it for me because I'm not sure I get the point. Clip ten. Okay, so he's asked, well, what's behind um, extending the coronavirus emergencies? And he says the coronavirus emergency will end when the Supreme Court ends it. We've extended it through May just to give them some time. Um, can you explain that to me, Lucy? What does the Supreme Court have to do with these COVID All emergencies? I, my question is time for what? Right. He doesn't even explain. Time for what? I think what he's talking about, what he must be talking about, because there was no follow-up questions, is the fact that the Department of Justice was arguing in court to try to return the masks back onto airplanes, right? I think I think there's going to probably be some continued litigation for them to um, continue to try to make it permanent. There's absolutely nothing going on with COVID right now that ha- that that should. It was all. Remember, it was 14 days to flatten the curve. And why did we have to flatten the curve? To make sure that hospitals were prepared, right? To make sure that they had enough supplies. That was three years ago. Three years ago. This It, it was never about anything but getting control over us, and they just flat don't want to give it up. So Bill Gates was squirming in an interview. 
Um, here's, here's, he was squirming because, um, he's not a particularly good liar. And here's what he had to say as he attempted to lie about COVID. Clip two. You just referenced intentional pandemics. Do you, um, harbor any doubts about the origins of COVID-19? No, the evidence is, is very clear that it's naturally caused. Um, you know, it's a, a bad virus and we're going to have natural epidemics. And sadly, we may have some unnatural epidemics in the future. Um, the evidence is very clear that COVID-19 is naturally caused. Very clear? Clear as, clear as mud. Clear as the Colorado River. Right? I mean, we know. I mean, was I'm sorry. Was Pfizer, the Pfizer, uh, not CEO, but the the Pfizer dude, was he not caught on Project Veritas's video claim, you know, talking about how uh, how it initially was was manufactured in a lab and, and how they're basically using monkeys right now to manipulate the virus so that they can they can use gain of function in order to come up with some more shots. And he actually mentions how it was started in the first place in a lab. And we already knew all that. We already knew whether or not you understand exactly how much U.S. taxpayer dollars were used in the Wuhan lab and with the bats and for gain of function. We all know that COVID was generated in a lab in Wuhan. It was not at a wet market involving involving bats. They're just going to continue to lie because they're not going to admit and they're never going to admit the truth about how it started. I'm not here to say that the one thing that is not clear to me, Skins, is whether or not it was specifically created as a bioweapon for war. I think I think it was I think gain of function is about a bioweapon for power in the sense that like Pfizer was talking about in the Project Veritas video because it gives because when you manufacture and you make these vi- manufacture viruses and you churn them until they get more and more deadly now you've got a big pharma company that can make a lot of bank by coming up with a, you know a shot for it that in its sense is how it was weaponized I don't I don't necessarily think it was for the purpose of of China to use um, for a, a, as a weapon of war. But that's just my take. You guys can feel free to disagree if you want. We're going to take a tiny little break. And then we'll be back. We've got some good news to share with you guys. On behalf of a pastor, pro-lifer, who was arrested and dragged out of his, out of his home in front of his children. We're going to share the good news story with you when we come back. Andrea K, bringing the world a much-needed reality check. You're listening to the Andrea K Show on the Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K Show final segment with some good news. You guys remember um, there was a, a a Catholic guy who was arrested. He was dragged out of his home. They sent a SWAT team in and dragged him out. He had was accused of accosting. He was he was a, a pro-life gentleman who took his family. Um, to, you know, help assist women and, and outside of pregnancy centers, um, well, abortion clinics to try to help them. And what happened was, um, somebody, uh, he had his family with him and one of his kids got, um, bullied and he stepped in to protect his son and then some older supposed volunteer at this abortion clinic claimed that Hoke attacked him. Long story short, he gets dragged out of his home. SWAT team comes in in front of his family, terrorizing him, right? I mean, uh, and and remember, compare and contrast that with the fact of what Hunter Biden has done, what's on his laptop, classified documents found, and there's still no raid anywhere. But this man has is dragged out by a SWAT team in front of his family and was facing Felony, felony charges by the Biden administration 
under something called face law. Um, so he was prosecuted and he was uh, found not guilty by a jury. And this is a huge victory. Uh, the Biden administration, of course, wanted to use him as an example, right, um, of, of, of and to chill and suppress anybody that's in the pro-life uh, movement. So this was a major win. According to here's what uh, Josh Hawley had to say. He said, remember, this is a Catholic man Biden DOJ arrested in a SWAT style raid at his home in front of the children on bogus charges, all to intimidate pro-life Americans and people of faith. Tom Cotton chimed in and said, Mark Houck should never been prosecuted, let alone treated like a terrorist in an early morning FBI raid with a SWAT team. Merrick Garland should be ashamed for using DOJ as a political weapon to target pro-life activists. Um, Andrew Bath of the Thomas More Center um, described what um, he saw was at stake in this case. He said, I don't know how anyone could hear what we've heard over the past few days and think that Mark deserves to be in prison. I don't know how anyone could watch this grueling trial and think that Bruce Love was a helpless victim and Mark a violent monster. I don't know how anyone. um, Oh, shoot, the rest is cut off. He said, this case is about a father's love for his child. I truly believe that we sent a message to Biden's DOJ and the abortion industry that despite all their money and power, they can't get away with abusing government power to destroy the lives of heroic sidewalk counselors without triggering a confrontation with the Thomas More Society. So this is absolutely a win. I said years ago that one of the ways that we, we were going to need uh, as conservatives to use our power is through the courts, because the way the left had gotten gained so much traction in the cultural Marxist movement and the destruction of this country was through the Department of Justice by amassing so much power with dictators in robes, whether it be the Supreme Court or at lower lower level uh, courts. And so this is absolutely a win tonight um, for that. Um, okay, who's watching the um, Alex Murdoch trial? Anybody out there watching? Are you even familiar at all with this case? Um, you know, I, this is one of the craziest legal dramas in this country. Y'all know I'm a true crime um, fanatic um, because in part because I love prosecutors and I love people being held accountable. This story is crazy because it involves right now. Alec Murdoch is on trial for um, being accused of murdering his wife and his youngest son. It was this, these murders took place about three days before he and his family were going to be sued in trial because the young son who ended up being murdered, um, killed somebody in a boating accident. This is the same Alex Murtaugh who had a housekeeper die on the property falling downstairs, some stairs supposedly, and then he ended up stealing the uh, the insurance money settlement from the family of this housekeeper. I mean, this story is absolutely insane. And if you guys are watching the story, here's my question for you guys today. And by the way, in watching a little bit of the trial, I'm not particularly impressed with the prosecutor. I'm concerned that this man, the prosecutor, prosecutors, I'm concerned he's going to walk. And I'm and I'm absolutely convinced without a shadow of a doubt. Usually I wait to hear all the evidence. But in this case, this man murdered, shot his kid's head off practically in order to prevent the trial on the boat going forward. Because if the if the boat trial took place, all of his financial crimes were going to be revealed. 
And here we've got a story that it looks to me like the local investigators, because this guy was so big and he's generations of a family of prosecutors in the area, that they didn't do a great job securing the crime scene. They didn't even walk the house until the next day. And I just don't have a good feeling in my gut. I think if this, if this, if he does get convicted, it might be because you could hear him say, and I clearly heard him say that, um, Something to the effect of, I did him really bad. Not they did him really bad, but he's talking about coming across his son's body. And I think in that moment, you can clearly hear Alec Murdoch say, I did, I did him really bad. So I don't know if you guys are watching this trial. I don't know how you feel about it. To me, what, like I said, one of the reasons why I care so much about true crime stories is that the victims have a voice through the prosecutors and through the investigators and they're human and they make mistakes. But to me, Alec Murdoch is one of, one of America's most prolific uh, monsters. He's just an absolute monster for what he did to his family. Going to read uh, quickly a few comments here on Facebook live for my people. Yaz is commenting about the illegal aliens in the story. She says, uh, so what else is new? They're demanding, send them back home. They're here illegally. Absolutely right. Frankie says, um, I heard that Mars now has a place for illegal aliens. It's free too. Uh, yeah, says, why is New York always in the news about illegals? Look at San Diego. It's Biden's fault. Well, yeah. And, it, you know, San Diego, all up and down the state of California, homelessness is just, it's, and, and it's complicated. Uh, the homeless crisis here isn't, it, it really isn't about the illegals. I mean, illegals are, are being put up in hotels or being put up in resorts. It's American citizens that are homeless out on the streets. And that's largely a problem that has to do with mental health and drug addiction. And, you know, the left loves to, um, you know, push drugs on the American people to decriminalize it, to give them to give them, oh, you know, to protect their health. Got to stop them from getting HIV from dirty needles. Let's give them, you know, clean needles to use. And all that does is contribute uh, to the homeless population. All right. Let's keep the conversation rolling on all the socials. As we wrap up tonight's show, follow me at Andrea K. Show. Our 24-hour hotline number is 844-814-5227. That's 844-814-5227. And we will see you all tomorrow for Hump Day, 6 p.m. Pacific time. We'll be talking all the hot topics. And we appreciate you guys being here tonight. Thank you, Daniel Greenfield. Thank you, Gary Quackenbush. And thank you guys for listening. And we will see you all tomorrow night. Stay safe out there, my friends. Peace out. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 